0: It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America Studios, this is Red Eye Radio.
1: All across America and around the planet, we are Red Eye Radio. I'm Gary McNamara. He's Eric Harley. You know, looking at that proposed law in Maryland that would require liability insurance... For carrying any gun, loaded, yeah. And you look at it; it would be a. It, in essence, it would be a de facto registration of all ve- of all vehicles of all guns, would it not?
2: Yeah, uh, you know the because you're going to have to register with the state that you have insurance. You're going to have to show to them that you have insurance. Um, yeah, that's it's one way of tracking how many legal gun owners you have. I didn't. I couldn't figure this out from the bill.
1: Is it one three hundred thousand dollar liability? Is it for well? Because you can only well, no. You could bring out. You could carry two guns. Would there be more if you carried two
2: guns? That's a good question. Is it per gun? Is it per gun? Is it because you might hear back from the insurance companies that well, the type of gun would determine. The, the cost of the policy.
1: Oh, okay.
2: Yeah. Because if you say to yourself, uh, if, if you're, let's say you're filling out a policy, what's the gun used for? Hunting. All right. How often do you hunt? Well, it's yeah. not every day. It's not every weekend.
1: Just like how many miles do you drive?
2: Right. Yep. An RV. Do you live in it or is it recreational only?
1: And then you need to tell the, insur- the truth to the insurance company like I do. I drive five miles a year. Right. Exactly.
2: And you're so old, they believe you.
1: <laughs> he doesn't have the strength to push the gas pedal. Yeah. He's an old man.
2: And plus, he's a safe driver because his blinker's always on. <laughs> blinker's always on discount. <laughs>
1: that happened to me the other day <laughs> I, I came off a highway i had to make it th- and the, the ramp turns to the right and so i had my my you know the blinker on and it's like a mile past down the road residential road i, I looked down i go oh my blinker's still on yeah but sometimes there is a logical excuse right the music's blasting
2: yeah you don't hear it because the music's going <laughs> right. yeah no, so I'm, I, it, so I'm being an unsafe
1: driver with loud music. Well, That's exactly.
2: It. The my truck will, you know, after a while, it will, like all modern vehicles, it will tell you, dude, your blinkers
1: on. Okay, this is my old vehicle where I always yeah. make that mistake. Yeah, there's too many, <laughs> you know, with the uh, with the uh, rear with the uh, side view mirrors having the blinker on them and mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. You, you really can't get away with it. It's like, jeez blinkers are on yeah (laughs) it's the old vehicle right yeah i just thought that was interesting that basically it's a it's de facto registration of all your
2: weapons Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yep list them and and also because the insurance company is likely to ask you this then that information about how you use them when you use them how often you use them,
0: mm-hmm.
2: all that's going to be trackable. Here's a
1: question since there is almost it's negligible those that you know have a handgun legally commit any crimes, and the odds are no one. Uh, The the odds are 99.99 something percent of Americans will never shoot their handgun unless they're at the range. Mm -hmm. Then how is that different than having a hunting rifle and hunting 10 times a year where you actually do shoot it out of a controlled area? How much would that increase your insurance?
2: Yeah, it's going to be about how and how often and when you use that gun. Right. That's going to determine what you pay.
1: Now, would Dick Cheney have a higher rate?
2: Only for lawyers. <laughs> Lawyer liability. <laughs> Lawyer liability. <laughs> you know you're powerful. <laughs> When the guy you shot apologizes to you. Seriously. (laughs) What? So sorry for the grief that shooting me has caused you. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed. Brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at Motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. and Truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love. When you use the code CPREDEye. that's the letters Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6. And help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by...
1: Very quickly on this this uh, topic, I saw this one: uh, Kentucky kids could sh- uh, soon face classroom cell phone ban, thanks to the common sense bill. Get distractions out. Why does, does the state have to do this? Why can't a local school district do it? That's just a rule. Sorry, your cell phone's off. You're in
2: classroom. A teacher can do that within the school. District.
1: A teacher, right? Forget about the school district. The teacher alone can do that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Why does the state have to pass the rule?
2: Yeah, they don't.
1: Just my my first question, because I'm guessing uh, my great-nephew, that whenever I text him during the day, never texts me back until three, four hours later when he's out of school because he can't get the message because all cell phones are off.
2: Same thing with my oldest uh, grandchildren, my four oldest. And I thought, okay, yeah, they're, the school has their... You know, phones, makes them turn them off. Can't do that in classroom. Turns out, they just don't like me. So there's that. But
1: I just saw that story, and I saw it hyped up on social media. And, you know, as bunch of people saying yes we've got to make sure i go yeah but that's not i understand that point because i i don't believe the cell phone should be on that's enforceable by the teacher during class why are we talking about the state of kentucky having to do it right you mean local school districts can't do it and an individual school teacher can't just say all cell phones off these are the rules in my class right no a student has a right to have their cell phone on (laughs) i mean who's is anybody arguing that point no Okay, I just didn't. Is there something in schools that are keeping schools in the state of Kentucky from saying your cell phone must be off? Is there a cell phone bill of kids bill of rights that I don't know about?
2: Not that I'm aware of.
1: Because it just was sort of dumb. It's like.
2: Yeah, we can already do that. Yeah. We don't need the state's help on that.
1: Does the state have to have a rule saying kids must sit down at their desk? right or, or can the teacher just say sit down yeah right sit down and shut up hold it did the state approve that <laughs> it's not state when, law when when Miss Ladd picked me up by my earlobes yeah did the state of New York back then have to approve that or did she do that on her own
2: <laughs> I'm guessing that was. On her own, although it is New York.
1: <laughs> and she did, by both top of the earlobes. I remember it, I heard a crack. <laughs> I was like, is that cartilage in there? Yeah, what is- I, had no, I had no permanent pain, but things were different back then, weren't they? Yeah. Uh, other stuff out there, almost 60% of parents are giving their adult kids money. Mm -hmm. Young adults are increasingly living with their parents and relying on them for financial support. Pew Research found that more young adults today live with their parents than in the past. Among those 18 to 24, 57% are living in their parents' home compared to, wow, 53% in 1993. I would have thought it would have been lower. Only a four percentage points. Roughly 59% of parents say they gave their kids, they gave their adult children help uh, with their finances over the past year. Mm -hmm. The majority of young adults who live with the parents, 64%, said the arrangement has had a positive impact on their personal financial situation. Some 55% say the impact on their relationship with their parents have been positive.
2: Well, if you're getting free stuff. Well, yeah, I was <laughs> say, wait, you mean having no bills and getting free food and cable and internet, all that's a positive? Wait a minute. What? Yeah. Let's talk to the parents about that. Yeah, we had,
1: um, if you went to college, you, in in my house, you didn't have to pay any rent. But as soon as you were done that week, you paid. And if you didn't go yep. to college, you
2: yep. paid. Same. You paid rent. Right. Yeah. yeah. You're not gonna yeah. you're not gonna get by for free. Yeah. It was the opposite. It
1: was okay, you need to you need to do your part. Yeah. Now I did think <laughs> the fool that I was when after college I'm trying to think how long I was, maybe a year or so. Uh, when maybe I can't remember, but, um, uh, I did think that because then I was paying for, uh, you know, uh, board 'cause cause it was rent and food. Mm-hmm. The idiot I was, I thought I got out of chores because of that. And that didn't happen.
2: No, no, no.
1: Cutting the law and all that stuff was still a part of what I was required to do. Yeah. And I decided not to argue that with dad either. (laughs) Probably a good idea.
2: (laughs) Probably a good idea.
1: I can't remember. I don't remember how much I paid or what that would extrapolate out to today. But we had to pay. And it was like, you know, every, every... And I don't think... It was... Nobody was... I don't think any of the kids were angry when it happened. It was just an expectation. It was like, that's what you do. You're on your own now. You pay. Yeah. You know. Right. So... But uh, let me see, a majority of young adults, 64% said the arrangement had a positive impact. 55% said the impact on their relationship with their parents have been positive. Many young adults also helped their parents with bills and other expenses mm-hmm. while living with home, as they should. And by the way, even when I did live at home and help my parents, it was cheaper than living on the outside. So you were able to save money. And you knew you still it. have a huge benefit. Yeah, and that was part of it. In, in fact, that was really my dad pounding that into my head. All right, you get a little bit of rent break. You know, we love having you here. Little, you A know, little bit, you've know, got to pay pay as much. You need to be saving money on this. I want to see you saving money if you're going to, there are always demands, always demands, always demands. Still today, he's still telling me what to do.
2: Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, and then there's the portion. I don't know to what extent, I don't know what the percentage is. Um, but you know, a lot of us adults that have become caretakers while I don't live with my parents, I can tell you that my, my sister practically does and <laughs> she same- doesn't live with them, but yeah. she's over there at least five days a week. She lives 15 minutes from their house. And so I have a neighbor who is a caretaker of his mom who was widowed a couple of years ago Um, and so that becomes something where it's actually for at least one of the children usually necessary in many of those cases yeah
1: yeah same in my family same thing yep
2: and and it's a good thing i mean you know i mean it's a good thing that they're that i i feel blessed to have a sister who she and her husband chose to be, uh, closer to them. Uh, he works from home, retired air force, but he works from home in his current job. And so they can live anywhere and they chose to relocate to be close to our parents and his parents. So, you know, I'm, I'm blessed that, uh, for that to be the case. And it would be me. I mean, if it's, if it's ever required, uh, I would have no mm-hmm. problem in doing that. And, but what you're seeing is a lot of those in the 20, 20 to 40 year old range. It's a regular thing. One of the things that, that, that you can watch with the economy of like Japan, it became something that wasn't really, you know, a lot of people would write it off as, well, it's cultural, to have multi-generations living at home in Japan. It may be to a small extent, but it became more about their economy being in the tank for so long that really the next generation just quit moving out. They may have gone to college, but they would quickly then move home. And then you do have two, maybe even three generations living under one roof. And it's a normal thing and it's because the economy just isn't there for everybody to get their own place. And right now I'm guessing that's why we're seeing the increase in adults living with their their family, their parents right now here.
1: 86690 run eye.
3: This morning's USDA farm report is brought to you by Howes Products. Tested, trusted, guaranteed since 1920. The producer's approach to farm operation and succession planning is moving away from the concept of a family farm and more towards a family business. That, according to the University of Missouri, Scott Brown, who adds this is due in part to realization that technological investment and diversification is needed.
1: When the family members come back, they're looking at different forms of agriculture to be their part. It's all about risk diversification. When you look at just how volatile markets have been, technology plays a key role in that. Today, you cannot avoid too long investing in new technology because there's returns to that technology.
3: Diversification, according to Iowa State University's Chad Hart, includes a greater effort towards direct marketing to consumers, such as two Indiana sisters carving their niche on a family farm.
2: Doing it in a way where it's wide open in terms of the conversations they have. No idea is off the table. Mom and dad are wide open to those kinds of conversations. They're both heavily involved.
3: I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. This report brought to you by Cenex
2: Fuels and Lubes.
0: Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio.
1: It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley and I'm Gary McNamara. You know, as we uh, look at uh some different uh studies that have been uh, uh surveys actually, polling that has been done actually mm-hmm. uh the one there 60 percent of parents uh or 60 percent of parents still giving their adult kids money while the majority of adult kids live at home and then you see this one this also came out the last couple of days so there's a couple of money stories you want to throw your way a 100 or excuse me a 100 a thousand dollar unexpected emergency expense could derail the lives more than half of all Americans, according to a new survey. Survey was uh, conducted by Bankrate, a financial analysis and comparison site. Bankrate found that only 44% of Americans surveyed could afford a $1,000 emergency expense. That's with cash, okay? That's with cash. That number is actually up one percentage point from the previous year. Uh, Those 56% who could could not weather the storm, said they would address that unexpected emergency charge in other ways. Most, 21%, would use a credit card. 10% would borrow from loved ones. 4% would take out a personal loan. Only 16% said they would reduce their spending to address an unexpected emergency expense. Wow. Well, wow. Nearly two-thirds, 63% of Americans, said inflation was causing them to save less for emergencies. On the flip side, 19% said they were actually saving more for emergencies, specifically because rising interest rates, which are friendly to those putting away uh, uh, extra money into their savings account, which is eaten up by inflation. Mm-hmm. Uh, inflation has been a key culprit standing in the way of further progress on the savings front said the analysts fortunately rising interest rates have also provided more generous returns on savings more on this coming up and oh another really interesting uh financial story too Mm. also out there coming up
0: Music reviewers and sometimes political commentators, Eric Harley and Gary McNamara on Red Eye Radio.
1: Yeah, whatever. Uh, He's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara, uh, 866-90-RED-EYE. All right, uh, looking at some of these new, uh, this new polling on people's finances, inflation has been a key culprit standing in the way of further progress on the savings front, fortunately, rising interest rates have also provided more generous returns on savings for people who can save. But r- right now, the vast majority of the people, 56%, could not come up with a $1,000 cash to pay an emergency. Mm-hmm. And if inflation or unexpected emergency isn't scary enough, the prospect of losing one's job is causing stress for many Americans if they were suddenly to lose their jobs two-thirds of Americans said they would be worried about how they would cover immediate living expenses for just the next month. Within that figure, 42% said they were very worried. Uh, let me see. So that was really, that's it from that uh, particular one. And then the other story mm-hmm. that I loved. And maybe when you don't have a lot of money, you do obsess with it. A new study shows that more than one quarter of millennials and Gen Z generations are obsessed with the idea of being rich, which could be fueling money dysmorphia.
2: Now, living like you have money when you don't.
1: Uh, <laughs> no, no. Even if you have money, you're worried.
2: Right, but where does the dysmorphia come in? The, the 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 study
1: The study found that 27% of Americans said they're obsessed with the idea of being rich. That was especially true for younger generations with 44% of Gen Z and 46% of millennials admitting to being obsessed with the idea. Uh, the money dysmorphia comes in. They also found that nearly 30% of Americans experience money uh, dysmorphia, the phenomena occurs when people feel insecure about their financial standing, no matter the reality of their situation. The problem was more was much more pronounced among younger generations, with 43% of Gen Z and 41% of millennials saying they experienced money dysmorphia compared to 25% of Gen X and just uh, 14% of respondents Age fifty nine or above. It doesn't. It sounds like the opposite to me. That doesn't sound like money dysmorphia. That no matter what the reality of their situation, if you have fifty six percent of Americans that cannot come up with a thousand dollars, the majority of those would be younger. Yeah. And so, when you see that it's forty three percent of Gen Z and forty one percent of Millennials, that makes sense compared to twenty five percent of Gen X, and then fourteen percent of respondents ages fifty nine or above. Because you've been around long enough and gone through the different stages, you know, whenever you started your 401k or whatever, but you've Mm -hmm. acquired more wealth Mm -hmm. as you get older. So, of course, that would be the situation.
2: Well, and and as you get older, do you understand you're getting closer to a, a point where you can't earn and you're going to be on a fixed income? And that fixed income, you know, needs to be sufficient. I would say that inflation where it is now likely has as many people that are close to retirement age, certainly people that are already retired. We've seen how many people uh, in that group have gone back to work. But if you're getting closer to retirement age, it's going to push that off a bit.
1: I hope SNL doesn't make fun of me using the term money dysmorphia. It's uh, mm-hmm. sort of like debanking. No, money's dysmorphia is kind of like today's version of keeping up with the Joneses, as Courtney okay, uh, yeah. believe, a consumer financial advocate at Credit Karma. A lot of people are examining their finances and comparing themselves to their peers, people on social media, and even celebrities, which is bringing up feelings of inadequacy. That's why every time I think of Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm you know i it's just it's not fair why aren't i making more by the way i'm just as talented well not in the same genre
2: <laughs> if in other ways uh if the chiefs win the super bowl the nfl is rigged
1: oh if i i saw it again yesterday yeah It's all over the place. That's rigged. The NFL's... Then stop watching. Why do all of you NFL fans continue to watch the NFL when you claim every week when your team loses that it's rigged?
2: Stop watching it. It's definitely rigged for the Chiefs if they win. (laughs) Well, look at this, too. And if they don't win, you think she's going to marry him? Ew. Ew. Second place. Ew. <laughs> She's not, not getting married. Well, it says, the researchers
1: said the growing trend in having a negative impact on people's finances, especially younger generation, of those who experience money dysmorphia, a majority of the respondents, 82% said they felt behind on their finances because they are.
2: Yeah. There may be some, but the majority... There's, there's no perception it, right. that you're behind... If you're actually behind, then you have a true perception there is no dysmorphia whatsoever.
1: Then they go into the one, more than half of Americans don't ever think they'll be rich. Well, it's the... And,
2: and the other half were delusional. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you for reading my mind. <laughs>
1: Oh my! No, they're the ones out there working two jobs. (laughs) Uh, Despite obsessing over the idea of extreme wealth, fifty obsessing over the idea of extreme wealth. Extreme wealth. Fifty-two percent of Americans said they don't think they'll ever be rich. The number jumps to sixty-nine percent when looking with uh, at Americans with money dysmorphia. You got to define that better.
2: Yeah, they have because it doesn't doesn't sound right. It it no, it doesn't doesn't. That's not having plenty of money and worried about having money because the reason people have plenty of money is because they've always worried about having enough money. Yeah. It's that attitude yeah, that gets right. them, yeah. you know, with the exception of a couple of scratch-off tickets here and there. That's what gets you to, to that point is that you're worried you won't have enough money when you can no longer earn?
1: Well, I'll tell you how you can have more money in your in your lifetime earnings. Mm-hmm. Stop obsessing about quiet quitting. Well, or what's the other one? The one about your act bad? your
2: act your wage act your wage. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, but they're being given prime examples every day. John Stewart's coming back to the Daily Show to quiet quit. Mondays only. <laughs> and Monday? You chose Monday? You're going to be the executive producer and you chose Monday. Monday. What?
1: I would have taken Thursday.
2: I would have changed the Daily Show to the Weekly Show it's with Jon Stewart. <laughs> because nobody cares Tuesday, Wednesday, it'll be guest host. Nobody cares. They're all waiting for John to come back on Monday. And everybody in that equation knows it. Do a weekly show. You know, like his former Daily Show colleague, Oliver, on HBO. (laughs) Bill Maher. And the rest of them. Do a weekly show. Do a Friday night show, you know. You can pre-record it. You don't. You don't actually have to work Friday. And call it the weekly show.
1: You know, Bill Maher. I can't play it because there's was too much profanity in it. But he had Seth MacFarlane on, mm-hmm. talking some about the narrative of the media and how it's all. You know, uh, how you know he actually believes the you know the media, and Bill Maher's like what.
2: Well, yeah right.
1: What are you talking about? They got yeah. a, they got a narrative. No, they mm-hmm. don't. No, they don't. Mm-hmm. And as we're talking about the credibility of media, you know, sitting in between them, mm-hmm. Adam Schiff, the biggest yeah. liar that the media has promoted his lies for a significant period of time. And I don't know. I don't. I didn't watch the whole show, but I didn't see it anywhere printed. That well, I can't because uh, I don't have HBO. But I didn't see. I didn't see anywhere where it's in any headline stated. And then Bill Maher said, "Well, talk about having a narrative." That has no credibility. Adam Schiff is here with us today. Exactly. I heard the debate last week. I just saw the headline that whoever he's running against, a Republican, pounded him for his lies. Mm-hmm. Pounded him for his lies. Yeah. It, you know, because he just, he absolutely lied to the American people and he should have been kicked off the Intelligence Committee. Yeah. I'm happy he was. That was the absolutely correct move yep. because he could not be trusted. He lied to the American public. When it, when it was supposed to come, you know, they're putting out publicly what the intelligence agencies knew about Russia collusion. And he didn't tell the American public the truth.
2: But, right. yeah. The
1: Republicans did. Yeah. Adam yep. Schiff lied about it. Yep. He does not. He is totally, because of that alone, is completely unqualified to be a, a U.S. senator. Oh, Yeah. Absolutely unqualified.
2: Yep. Um by the way, on the on Bill Maher's podcast, did you see him giving compliments to Barry Weiss? No. Yeah, on the podcast. Yeah. Really? Not not his HBO show, but yeah. And I can't remember who was on with him.
1: For what you, you mean is that you mean the one where they drink?
2: Yeah. They were drunk.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Be interesting, wouldn't it, to do a show where we could drink?
2: Yeah. (laughs) I what would it be? I'm not sure I'd want to. What would it be by the end of five hours? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well Well, I have (laughs) I have trouble enough remembering things. I know. Imagine remembering nothing. (laughs) So how was your show yesterday? I can't remember. I have no idea. (laughs) did Did we do a show yesterday? I I don't know. Yeah.
1: But I just love it. More than half of Americans don't think they'll ever be rich. I don't think that I ever had that thought ever come into my mind. Ever.
2: It it was it was never about being wealthy. It was about uh being able to take care of myself. My yeah, family, being, you
1: know. being self sufficient, yes. That yeah. that was a big thing. There was a certain pride in being able to do that. You know, it's yeah. you know, when they when they talk about, you know, so many kids living at home, there was a there was a certain pride to be on your own. I mean, that's why when I was, you know, that's why I worked a couple of jobs through colleges or through college, not colleges. Well, actually, there were two colleges I did go to, um, but that was actually a benchmark of becoming an adult was moving out from your parents, yeah, coming independent, becoming autonomous. You know, that's the, uh, you know, that that's
2: the, you
1: know, the entire thing of, you know, being kicked out of the nest. Like in
2: nature, I remember the first time I took my own money and fed myself with it. My mom was at my my brother's baseball game on Laughlin Air Force Base, and near the base exchange, they had a little, um, it's like a little I don't know, indoor, food court type cafe. And I told my mom I want to go buy my own dinner. Wow! And she said, "Okay, what are you going to get?" I said, chicken and French fries. And she said, okay, go ahead. I went over there. I got it. I made one mistake. You know how sugar looks like salt? <laughs> <laughs> but it's in a much big, yes. pourable container on the table? Yes. Well... That was some sweet chicken and fries. That's all I can say about that. But I loved every second of it. I'll never forget that day.
1: No, but there's moments in your life when you do something, even as a child, you do things on your own. You accomplish it. You move on. It's like when I got, when I was 18 years old and got the job at the bank and, you know, put on, was waiting at the bus stop with all the other business people. Right. To go down to work at the bank. Right. And, you know, kids would come up because most kids didn't have a job like that. They right. were really impressed by it. Mm-hmm. And it was more than just getting being a you know, them giving me their approval. It was I knew that there was I had more value than I ever thought I had, just because right. somebody wanted me to put a shirt and tie on and come and collect other people's bills. Right. Yep. <laughs> 866-90 Red Eye.
0: Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90 Red Eye.
2: on
1: radio. He's Eric Carley and I'm Gary McNamara. The, see that headline, the U.S. Navy lowers bar to enlistment again amid continuing recruiting ro- uh, woes. Uh, U.S. Navy will start to enlist applicants who have not graduated from high school or even obtained a GED as they continue to struggle with their recruiting goals. You know, You know, it, we talked about there was a story about how you have white men that don't want to join the military anymore. Right. That came out about a month ago and it's like, Well, yeah, with DEI? Who wants to be in the military when you go in there and you're told you're all a bunch of racists?
2: Right, over and over again. Yeah. Sorry.
0: Sorry. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One